Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome, welcome, step right up. Don't push, shove, or jostle. There's plenty to hear and plenty to see. I have a great little show lined up for you guys this evening. A show filled with a wide array of stories from all over North America. So let's waste no more time and let's kick this thing off. There are some topics on this show I never thought I'd get a chance to discuss. I knew starting out that I'd get a flood of ghosts, Shadow Man, Bigfoot, and even UFO cases, but I never in a million years thought I'd receive calls based on some of the most classic of cryptids. Cryptids like the Dover Demon, the Jackalope, or even the Lizard Man. But just the other day, that all changed. I received a call about a classic monster, a creature I'd always hoped to cover but thought I'd never get the opportunity. A creature that nears the top of everyone's favorite cryptids list. The following call was submitted by Alex in Chicago. Hey Derek, Uh, this is Alex from Chicago. Uh, Got a long drive ahead of me so I figured I'd call and just uh, I, I want to start by saying, one, you know, I absolutely love your show. It's uh, at the top of my favorites list in my podcast, and I listen to it uh, ravenously every week. But two, and probably most importantly, is I'm a huge skeptic, and, and I think largely that, that goes to why I love your show, in that you'll provide rational uh, exposition to what could possibly be, and that's important because... In this whole world of uh, paranormal and, and cryptozoological events, uh, people seem to forget about rationale sometimes. So I really appreciate that, and uh, someone who feels similarly, I agree. You know, I Bigfoot is my number one thing, and, uh, and Dogman, and I love all those podcasts and lore and all of that. And, eat that stuff up but in the end I don't actually believe it you know I hold out a very small percentage of hope but uh, anyway so the spate of you know Mothman or flying humanoid things that have happened in Chicago were have you know fascinated me of late and I never, ever, ever expected to see anything of the sort. Like I said, I don't believe in it in any actuality. But So uh, the Monday before last, which I believe was the 19th of March, 
I was driving uh, from the Noble Square area uh, of Chicago, somewhat on the north side, to the southwest side of the city to uh, stop by my parents' house. This was uh, around noon, and as I was getting onto uh, 94, the Dan Ryan Expressway, uh, at the Milwaukee on-ramp, I was cut off by uh, fire trucks and ambulance as they were going to tend to uh, an accident. And as such, I ended up sitting in accident traffic where I literally put the car in park and just sat. And as I sat there, all of a sudden, there was this black, uh, somewhat triangular, as if it was a low pyramid, a low wide pyramid, um, started hovering from uh, the left of my view, uh, which was near the skyline, uh, over the expressway, and eventually out of sight to the right, but it went back and forth quite a few times. Uh, I originally assumed it was a kite or a balloon. Uh, the kite part, though, just doesn't work because there's nowhere for someone to stand and control it. I mean, perhaps it was the kite that got away, but it was moving in a controlled fashion. It, it was completely black. Uh, I thought I noticed a glint of light off of it a couple of times as if there was something metallic reflecting, which made me think mylar you know, is a mylar balloon. But again, it was moving in such a controlled way. It really kind of started tripping me out. And of course you can't gauge size in situations like that. We know that, but it seemed huge, especially compared to some of the uh, lake gulls, the uh, birds that were flying somewhat in the same vicinity. What really tripped me out, though, in the end, and this was a good 30 seconds of staring at this, um, uh, maybe a little less than that, but was when I realized it was hovering right over this car accident. And with everything you hear about the Silver Bridge collapse and all the stuff at Point Pleasant, it it made the hair on my arm stand up. I, I'd be very honest. Uh, I, I don't know that anything truly was, you know, Mothman-ish, but I wonder if it wasn't uh, a drone of some sort, and if it had more to do with the person or persons who have been hoaxing this. Uh, I, I have no idea. You know, I have absolutely no idea what it actually was, but it it certainly did trip me out to to a degree. I I consider myself a, a very rational uh, person, a, you know, a thoughtful person, and again very skeptical so I, I have trouble accepting that it was a flying humanoid cryptid hovering over an accident scene but i i don't know what to make of it and i'm you know hoping that maybe somebody else has seen this and maybe somebody has a conclusive explanation but again this was the monday before last so i believe that was the 19th of march uh right after saint patrick's day a couple of days after it was right around probably 12.30 p.m. afternoon. It was pretty sunny out, a little windy, which probably is an important fact to note. And again, very black, but possibly there was glints of light reflecting off of it, as if there was something metallic or shiny on it. And when it caught the sun, it seemed to glint 
at least twice that I noticed. Uh, and again, it was kind of a, a, a low, uh, wide pyramid shape. Uh, and I would hazard to guess it, it, it was a balloon, but who knows? I, I would love to know your thoughts on it, of course. I very much respect your opinion on these matters of uh, a very rational man that you are. And also, of course, if other folks uh, saw that or things around that time, area, whatever, it would be great uh, to hear. So uh, thanks uh, thanks for letting me get this out on this long drive I'm taking home. And uh, really appreciate all the incredible work you do, the production values and, and just your personal input. It's just phenomenal top the charts and you're my favorite podcast out there uh keep up the the great work you you really provide a service for folks like me who who have a long commute uh, we really i really appreciate it so uh take care uh take care of yourself Derek. and um hopefully i won't talk to you again because i don't i don't want to see these things all right take care thank you alex for taking the time to share For those that aren't familiar, the Chicago area has been a hotbed for Mothman-like creature sightings for several years now. Before we continue, the following clip from Paranormal Junkie will bring everyone up to speed on the most recent Mothman flap. One of the most famous cryptids throughout the United States is the Mothman, and I have stumbled upon a lot of encounters with these creatures going back for centuries, and it appears that Chicago right now is experiencing something rather strange as there have been quite a few sightings of an unknown creature that looks very similar to that of the legendary Mothman over the past couple of months. On April 7th, a man was walking home in the Lincoln Park area when he saw something that just scared him to death. This man claims that while he was walking back to his house, he had come face to face with a 7-foot humanoid creature that had bat-like wings. And of course, this man was terrified beyond belief. He ran home as fast as he could. And over the next couple of weeks, he did a lot of research. He needed some answers. And he uncovered that he was not the only one. As many others have reported seeing this creature throughout the Chicago area very recently. The most recent encounter happened on June 3rd when a couple had just finished eating their dinner. And they decided to take a nice little walk as the weather was perfect. And while they were walking, they saw something flying overhead. And when they looked up, they saw something that just shouldn't exist. This couple stated that this creature was at least 7 to 8 feet long and the wingspan was at least 12 to 14 feet wide and its head was very similar to that of a human being and this creature was just gliding through the air right above them and they also noticed that this whatever it was wasn't making any noise at all and while this couple was just staring in total disbelief they felt a very overwhelming feeling of fear and dread which is very common in Mothman sightings. Another interesting encounter happened on March 2nd by a local delivery driver. While this man was sitting in a semi-trailer at about noon, he noticed something strange in the sky. And while he was staring at it, trying to figure out exactly what this thing was, it flew right over him. And he could now see it, and he couldn't believe it. He said that this thing looked like a flying Batmobile. It was some sort of mix between a human and a bat, and it was as big as a car. And just like everybody else who had seen this thing, he too was just scared to death. Then it flew right back up into the sky and disappeared back into the clouds. And not too long after the sighting, he started to experience some very bad luck 
and his mom died, making this a very sad but interesting encounter because many believe that if you see the Mothman, that means that something bad is going to happen. Then not too long after this sighting, a woman and her friends were outside enjoying the nice spring weather when they heard a very disturbing high-pitched screeching sound right above them. And when they looked up, they saw not one, but two of these creatures. And they believed that it was either two men in wingsuits or gargoyles. And they all knew that there was just no way that a human could have made that terrifying sound that they heard. One of the biggest sightings happened around 8 p.m. one night when many witnesses were at a park in Chicago when they claimed that they saw a humanoid creature with a huge wingspan that was at least six to seven feet tall. And one of these witnesses was a police officer. Then not too far away from this sighting, three friends were on a boat when they described seeing the exact same thing. And not too long after, they saw a green orb just shoot across the sky at amazing speeds. And oddly enough, this mysterious green orb scared them more than the flying humanoid that they just saw. And they decided to call it a night, and they headed back for shore. Now these sightings in the Chicago area just keep coming in. Over the past couple of years, there have been 15 reported sightings, and eight of these occurred in just the past three months. So it appears that these sightings, these encounters are escalating, making the people of Chicago wonder what the heck is going on here. Is this an unknown species of some sort of huge bat that kind of looks like a man? Or is this creature something paranormal? So it's obvious that there is a precedent regarding Alex's call. This thing, whatever it is, has been seen before in this area, many times, to be exact. So that leaves us with the age-old question, what is it? Theories abound, ranging from drones, birds, gliders, kites, bats, and even men in wingsuits, but none of these theories are definitive. As for Alex's sighting, it's very difficult to speculate what he may have witnessed that day. In fact, the list of popular theories I proposed just seconds ago also apply to this sighting. Whatever it is that Chicagoans are seeing in the sky, it is reminiscent of the original Mothman sightings of 1966. I'm just hoping that these sightings do not end in tragedy, as did the sightings in Point Pleasant, West Virginia decades ago. Thanks again, Alex, for sharing your story. And might I add, also, thank you so much for the kind words. Moving on to our next subject of the evening, the following story was submitted by Albert, also in the state of Illinois. Hi there, I'm Albert from Southern Illinois. I wanted to talk today and share my story. Until I was 18, I lived in a small town about 15 miles south of where I live now. All my life I'd been told stories of big cats that lived in the area. If you would be outside at night, you could hear the cries of these big cats. And it was said that back in the 70s or 80s, the local wildlife officials released panthers and other large cats into the wild to help control the deer population. Everyone has a story where their grandfather had seen one or their dad. The official story is that the population of big cats were killed off shortly after they were released. First time that I seen a big cat, I was driving down a local road about 20 minutes west of where I lived. The, the road that I was on is a connection road that links two local highways. It's a well-traveled road. Uh, this is about four years ago. I was driving home from a day of shopping with my wife and young daughter, just sitting, 
alongside the road was a large black cat. When I asked my wife, did you just see that? She replied, that had to be a big dog. But there was no way that it could have been a big dog. It it would have had to have been a mastiff. Now I travel that road quite a bit and it's an area that you let your dogs out to do their business. And I've never seen anything nearly that size. It looked to be a large black panther. A similar experience happened just the first of this year. I had been working in northern Kentucky helping out a new store being opened by the company that I work for. I had been there for a week and was on my way home. We were about five minutes south of the town that I grew up in when across the road runs at speeds that I have never seen a cat. But not a small cat. This is a cat the size of a large dog. My first thought was I was just tired. I had put in 70 hours in five days. But the guy I was traveling with seen it too. I know that this is not the typical story that people share. Most likely what I was seeing is just a large cat. Bobcats have been known to be in the area. But the first one that I seen was big enough to be a panther. I'm always on the lookout for more stories of big cats in the area. I love the podcast. It's one of the favorites that I listen to. And I can't wait to hear more. Thank you, Albert. Like Albert, I've also heard rumors of the DNR releasing certain species to control others. In fact, back home in Ohio, I recall rumors of the DNR releasing timber rattlesnakes to help control the wild turkey population back in the 90s. Then, in the early 2000s, it was coyotes to control the deer. And finally, recently, they were said to release an unknown wild cat to help keep deer numbers in check. The bottom line in all this is that it's simply not true. Introducing species to control another has been done, some successfully and others not so much. But in the case of the examples I gave, there's simply no fact to it. But people are seeing something. I myself saw something nearly 30 years ago. Whatever it is that's scaring the pants off the Midwesterners has, thus far, evaded detection. But I believe it's only a matter of time before a body is found, a hunter shoots one, or a car strikes one down. Until that day, however, the truth eludes us. Thank you again, Albert, for taking the time to share your story. For our next call, we head to Canada. This is Jay's call from Montreal. Hi, Derek. It's Jay again. J-A-Y, since you uh, couldn't really hear my name last time, uh, from Montreal, Canada. Um, I'm calling with two more short stories for you. One is mine and one's actually from my mom. So I'll start with uh, my mom's story. Um, Basically, I was talking to her about how I got really into, like, the cricket and UFO podcasts and things like that and explaining to her what they were. And she goes, oh, I have a ghost story. And she proceeded to tell me this story. Um, Just for a little background, my mom's retired now, but she used to work um, with special needs kids and adults. So everything from Down syndrome to autism and everything you can think of. And so uh, this was probably 30 plus years ago. And she was goofing off with a colleague of hers at the office where they worked. And afterwards, she went to her office, which is in like a narrow, narrow hallway. And uh, out one side, she could see 
the, the rest of the hall on the other side was a big screen door where she could look out on this courtyard that's kind of like um, cornered off. So out of the corner of her eye, she said she could see a little boy waving, and apparently he was quite, like, fair with, like, blonde hair and things like that and just waving at her. And uh, she looked up and nothing was there. And then she went back to her work and looked up again, and she saw the little boy again waving at her. And keep in mind, this is a um, place for adults uh, with special needs, not little kids. And so later on, she went back to her colleague that she had been goofing off with earlier, and she goes, oh, were you messing around in the courtyard? Uh, Blah, blah, blah. And uh, he goes, no. And my mom tells him what she saw. And he goes, you just saw a ghost. And so uh, my mom, ever since, has said that that's her ghost story. Um, and so that's pretty much it. Um, I don't really know much about the building in question or anything like that. So I can't really, you know, offer any kind of rational explanation for that story aside from maybe a little kid got into the courtyard and was messing around. Um, and so that's pretty much her story. Now, my story actually happened a couple of weeks ago, so it's very, very new. Um, I live in a tiny, tiny apartment um, above a bunch of uh, newer buildings, so uh, nothing's ever really happened here. It's a pretty um, new apartment complex, and um, just to, to keep in mind, uh, I suffer from insomnia and I'm on all sorts of medications for a bunch of different things. And uh, so um, I was having trouble sleeping one night. It's probably about four in the morning. And all of a sudden I feel a gust of wind in my ear. Now, this is in the dead of winter in Canada. So my windows weren't open. My fan wasn't going. But it really felt like someone had crouched down and blown directly into my ear. So it shot me awake. And um, it really freaked me out. And I immediately, well, not immediately, but the next day, contacted a friend of mine who's a shaman. And I told them what happened. And their immediate answer was, burn some sage, something is messing with you. So not sure what to make about that. Anyway, those are my two stories. Hope you can use them. And thanks for the great podcast. Bye. Thank you, Jay. I'm happy that we finally got your name right this time around. Jay's first story, the one involving her mother, left me with an important question. How did the mother's co-worker know the boy was a ghost? Were there previous sightings that tipped him off, or did he simply jump to a conclusion? I just found it odd that he immediately came to that assumption. The other thought I had while listening to Jay's story was this. When I rented what turned out to be my last apartment in Los Angeles, the little old lady that owned the place burned sage before we arrived. When I opened the door, I knew the scent immediately. Then, this thought popped into my head. What happened here that made her feel the need to sage the place? We lived there for nearly two years and never experienced anything strange, so either the sage was not needed, or it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Thank you again, Jay, for taking the time to share. We very much appreciate it. Our next story is a strange one to place. This is Mike's call from Parts Unknown. Hey, hey, Derek. Um, my name is Mike. Um, big fan of the show. Uh, 
I love hearing all the stories. I was kind of debating for a little while whether or not I should call in with my story or not, but uh, you kind of figure what the heck. So back when I was about 13 or so, um, my sister and I would trade bedrooms every so often just for kind of a change of scenery. She's a few years older than I was. So in the process of switching all of our stuff back and forth to the room, she had a poster that was on the back door, back of the door of her bedroom that I was moving into. And she just kind of made an offhand remark to me about, she goes, you may just kind of want to keep that poster on the, on the door. Because if you take it down, you know, it, it was a big wooden door. And she said, you can kind of make out uh, like a weird, creepy face in the grain of the wood, the door. And I just kind of shrugged it off and, yeah, whatever. Um, so we got done trading rooms and everything, and she had a Mickey Mouse poster on the back of the door. So after about a week or so, I was 13, I was, I don't want a Mickey Mouse poster in my room, so... I take it off the door, and I'm staring at the back of the door just to see what kind of uh, space you can see in the green. And I couldn't really come up with anything. I probably stared at it for a few minutes trying to see if I could see anything, and nothing really popped out. So I just stared, whatever, and left the poster on. Now, it could have been maybe a month later, six months later. I don't remember. It was back when I was 13. So I remember... Laying in bed sleeping in the middle of the night, it was completely dark in the room, had the door closed, had all the lights off. I remember waking up and looking over at the alarm clock, it was just a digital alarm clock, so I was about the only really light in the room. And it said it was three something or other. Three o'clock in the morning. And for some reason, I just kind of sat up and then looked to the far end of the room where the door's at. And on the back of the door, there was this white, creepy, glowing face staring back at me. But the only, that was the only thing in the room really giving off light. And it really wasn't shining on anything. It was just the face itself was glowing. And it just looked like a creepy, grinning person on the back of the door. The only really thing I can really describe it at the time was like what a, a joker on a uh, package of playing cards looked like. So I remember I was staring at it, just kind of sitting up in bed, just kind of paralyzed in fear. It was maybe about five seconds or so, just staring right at it. So I tried to find my lamp next to my bed, just without breaking eye contact with it, feeling around, feeling around, couldn't find it. So I look away for a split second to find the lamp, turn the lamp on and look back, and it's gone. So... Needless to say, there was a poster that went right back on that door again, and I pretty much stuck that door wide open so I couldn't see the back of that door. Well, really, that's about the only thing that really ever happened in that house just that one time. Um, I really haven't asked my sister what she saw. I kind of want to, though, but I don't know how she'll react. If maybe she saw the same thing and would freak her out, I don't know, but... Uh, I just thought it was a pretty interesting story. So, there it is. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Mike. Now I realize I jump to this conclusion often, but is it possible that your sister set you up? Just hear me out on this. 
She knew she was switching rooms with you. She knew the wood grain appeared to look like a face. Is it possible that she told you the story using some sort of glow-in-the-dark paint, drew a face on the wall, a design that would only be visible in the dark, and simply waited? I'd say that's a pretty well-executed prank, in my opinion. But there are two pieces of information that make me question even my own theory. Depending on when this story took place, was glow-in-the-dark paint even available? I remember when glow bugs and other glowing toys first surfaced in the early 80s. I'm not sure if it was around before then or not, but I don't believe it was as popular or easy to find as it is today. Also, if I were to play a prank like that, I'd want to know how it went. So, after a while, I would probably ask if anything happened. I certainly wouldn't set a prank up and never follow up on its effectiveness. Either way, it's an interesting story and one I have a feeling we haven't heard the end of. Something tells me there are several others out there that have experienced something very similar. Thanks again, Mike, for taking the time. And piggybacking on Mike's call, I also had this short written submission sent to me some time ago. I thought it paired perfectly with our previous call, so here it is. Submitted anonymously. Hi. When I was about five, we were living in Pasadena, Maryland. It is not far from the Chesapeake Bay. So one night there was a storm and I see this ghostly white face in the window. It resembled the face from the painting The Scream. That's my story. Love the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for that submission. This actually reminds me of something that happened when I was in third grade. Anyone that lives in Ohio or the Midwest, for that matter, knows that in late spring and summer, massive thunderstorms can pop up out of nowhere. Well, that's exactly what happened one day at school while I was in the third grade. Apparently, this storm brought with it the threat of a tornado because they made all us students walk across the school to a protected area. Well, on the walk, one of the other students began screaming, claiming he saw a skeleton face in the window when the lightning flashed. Being the little weirdo I was, I cranked my neck to see it while other students lost their minds and fled. It took several teachers half an hour to calm the screaming children down. And something tells me there never was a skeleton face. Thank you again for that submission. Our next call takes us south to Florida. This is Edward's call. Hello, Monsters Among Us. My name is Edward. I'm here in Miami and Florida. I recently started to hear your show, and I think it's a pretty interesting show indeed. There's a lot of uh, BSers out there, like uh, Fantastic Daily or Secure Team 10, but what you guys do is just play stories, and take, your, take your time and give your takes on it, and that I appreciate. I'm calling in regards to a story I experienced um, last year, around this time actually, probably in March or April. It was in my room, and uh, I want to say that it was... It was a it was a sleep paralysis encounter at first. You know, I've I've encountered sleep paralysis before. It's a very scary experience. Um, feeling someone there and uh, not knowing what to do. But I eventually like got used to it. Every time it would happen, every once in a while. But this time was a little different. I never felt like someone was in the room with me before. And 
that scared me. The only thing I knew I could do was just close my eyes, and I never dared open them. But I just kept telling myself, this is sleep paralysis, you'll be fine. And I kept telling myself that until I finally went to sleep. I want to say this was around four or five in the morning. And, you know, eventually I went to sleep. The next morning, I wake up. It's probably 11 or so. Everything's fine. I look around. Everything's fine. My brother, he's a teacher. He had gone to work the next, uh, like the next day. He's fine. Everything's fine. I'm home alone. My brother went to work. Then, later in the afternoon, my brother's home. We're having dinner, talking about how our day went. And then, he ends up telling me something interesting. My brother tells me that that morning, at around 5 in the morning, around the time he wakes up to go to work as a teacher, he said he saw a shadow figure with red eyes in his room, staring at him, glaring at him while he was preparing to just get up from work, get up for work. And he yelled at it to get lost and go away. And and it did. I never told my brother that I was having some kind of sleep paralysis episode. And I always hear shadow people encounters are kind of described the way as sleep paralysis encounters. But I never told them what happened to me that day. That really scared the hell out of me. That's all I have to say about this. Thanks for the great show, and I hope uh, you keep being successful. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Edward. I'll be honest. I'm not sure what I should be saying about this one. Sure, it's very possible that the two brothers simply shared a coincidence. Maybe Edward just happened to have his sleep paralysis episode on the same day his brother happened to see something he couldn't explain. It's a big world, and stranger things have happened. But even I will admit that a coincidence like that is at least worth a closer look. I suppose it's even possible that Edward somehow created the creature in his suspended state, almost like a tulpa, allowing it to be seen by his brother. I'd be interested in knowing if anyone else has had a similar experience, having something in your dream manifest to a fully awake person. Thank you again, Edward, for sharing your story. Our next story is, for lack of a better word, crazy. This is Clarissa's call from California. Hey, Derek. I'm still working my way through your podcast from the beginning. I'm currently listening to Season 3 and remembered something that happened to me about 7 or 8 years ago. I was living in Big Bear City, California, and we had a few friends come up for a visit, so we all went to the north shore of the lake to fish and to hang out. It was about an hour before sundown and the moon was high in the sky on our left. It was a little bigger than a half moon at the time and it was relatively bright and big in the sky considering the sun was still out. 
We started to see a few bats zipping around overhead, and I think that's why I happened to be looking up at the exact moment. That's when I saw what looked like a large black spider crawl out of the dark side of the moon, over its bright side, and disappear around the right-hand side. It was about three-quarters the size of the moon itself, and it was very quick. The best way to describe it is that it was like a black spider shadow. No distinguishing features, just a black thing that was shaped like a spider, but had about four or six legs. It never extended past the moon, but just sort of wrapped around and behind it. I know this sounds ridiculous and absolutely impossible because nothing could possibly be that large. But the craziest part is that I wasn't the only one who saw it. My friend Jordan, who was there, also saw it. We were both weary and asked if anyone else had seen that. I think we both thought it was our eyes playing tricks on us, but the fact that we both witnessed it sort of solidified it for us. No one else noticed it and we had about four other people there. There was alcohol, but we were by no means drunk or even tipsy. We did not see it again. We'd still occasionally bring it up when we'd see each other because it was really such a bizarre sight. I'm curious if anyone else has had a similar experience. I remember trying to Google it the next day to see if anyone else mentioned seeing it online, but nothing came up. Anyway, not sure if this is a useful story for you, but I wanted to throw it your way just in case anything similar comes in. Your fiancé Sarah told me about your podcast the other weekend while we were hiking in Cougar Crest Trail, and I've been absolutely hooked since. Thank you, Clarissa, and I'm really glad that Sarah suggested the show to you. I'm going to be honest, I have no idea what this could have been. Obviously, we know giant spiders don't live on the moon. We've been there, we've studied it for hundreds of years. If there were giant spiders on the lunar surface, we would know about it. But is it possible something passed by and decided to hang out on the moon for a minute? It's my opinion that something like that would be near impossible. I suppose it could be likely that something passed in front of the moon, casting a shadow across its lunar face. But what that thing could be is also a huge question. So, what was it? What else could it have been? At any given time, there are thousands of eyes, hundreds of telescopes, and even dozens of cameras pointed at the moon. So you'd think something like this would have been witnessed by someone else or possibly even caught on camera. And the fact that nothing like that has been reported makes me wonder if this isn't some sort of region-specific event. But, at the end of the day, I'm forced to utter words that every paranormal investigator hates to use. I just don't know. The story is amazingly creepy, however, so thank you, Clarissa, for taking the time to submit it. Now I have one more story to share with you, but first, let me get all this out of the way. Guys, if you like surprises and cryptid-themed items, such as t-shirts, books, movies, collectibles, and more, all at bargain prices, head over to CryptidCrate.com and get a Cryptid Crate today. Use coupon code MONSTERS88 to get 20% off your very first crate. Where else can you get over $70 worth of cryptid-themed items for under $40? That's CryptidCrate.com. If you have a story you'd like to share on the show, simply call the 24-hour hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or click on the Report Your Sightings tab on the website, which is monstersamonguspodcast.com. If you have five spare minutes, give Monsters Among Us a quick rate and review. Five stars and a few kind words would go a long way to keep the show rolling. If you haven't already, head over to iTunes, wherever it is you get your podcast, and review today. 
a quick thank you to all those that have already taken the time to do so. Be sure to sign up for Monsters Among Us Beyond. A measly $4 a month gets you two additional episodes and a video, all written, produced, and created by me. I'm sitting down with a special guest tomorrow for the next bonus episode, so pledge now and catch that show. Visit patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast or simply hit the link in tonight's show notes. And lastly, I received another generous donation from a big friend of the show. Thank you so much, Teresa Z. Your continued support is greatly appreciated. All right, now for that last story that I promised. Our final call of the evening is a strange one. This is Jeremy's call from the state of Oregon. Hey, my name is Jeremy. Um, I've been listening to your podcast, oh, maybe a couple weeks now, and I'm getting close to the end of season three. Um, Hearing the stories of all those mirror men, uh, in particular, the the guy's story where he was hunting and he got a a fair look at their faces that kind of looked wrong, off. Um, anyway, it reminded me of a dream that my partner told me about um, that I don't have enough of the details on. I'll detail it later. Uh, but we refer to those kinds of people as low men, like the Stephen King creatures from the Dark Tower series. Um, the descriptions of their features just seem to match um what Stephen King described the low men as. Um, anyway, my encounter was in Milwaukee, Oregon. Um, we, my partner and I, were living in a shared house. Um, our bedroom at the time was in a garage that was converted to a bedroom, and the room itself had a sliding glass door like you would see in a backyard. Um, so anyway, I'm laying there one night and, uh, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night. Um, the backyard has a long trail going down. It maybe takes a couple minutes to walk from the front door all the way down to the end of the backyard to a back field, uh, that leads over to an elementary school nearby. Um, so... This is maybe spring, early summer last year in, uh, in Oregon. So it's a fairly warm night. We've got the, the curtains open. We've got the door open, um, letting cool air blow in. We've got a dog that tends to overheat if there's not air circulation. So anyway, I wake up in the middle of the night, and I know that I was kind of awake because I could move around Um, and I'm laying on my left side which is typical for me um, and I'm looking out the window just trying to you know flip back to sleep and um, through some of the trees in our backyard I could see a spot where we had at the time blackberry bushes that were probably I'm about five seven they were uh, between my my waist and my chest in height 
So I'm laying there uh, looking into my backyard. It's dark. There's a motion light back there, but it hasn't got off. Um, the, the spot that I'm looking at is a little out of the range of the motion sensor. So anyway, I see a little bit of movement. So I start staring at that corner. Um, it was just a slight shift. And I see something shifting again um, behind the blackberry bushes. Um, they're kind of thick near the center, but they thin out up near the top a little bit so that you could see through them a little bit better. Um, but still partially obscuring. So I'm looking and I see at first what I thought was maybe there was a breeze because it looked like thick brown branches moving but then ugh, sorry this gives me pretty it freaks me out um anyway i'm watching these brownish like sandy brownish um almost bark looking things move and i start to see a pattern in the movement that looks a lot like insectoid walking um so then i start to be able to differentiate between what appeared to be limbs versus what appeared to be tree limbs or blackberry bush. And as I'm watching, it's moving a little bit farther back into our yard past the blackberries. Um, it's probably about seven, maybe eight feet tall. Uh, there were some branches from a tree hanging low enough to obscure the head that I couldn't get a clear look, um, but I didn't get the feeling that it knew that I was watching. Um, and as it moved a little bit farther away, I could see that it had four, maybe six limbs, and while it walked, four of them were on the ground, but when it stopped walking, it would lift two of its limbs up off the ground and bring them up closer to its head. Um, one interesting thing I did note, sorry, I have to have a cigarette while I'm telling the story, it's freaking me out. Anyway, one important thing I did note was that there was something else on its body. Um, so the, the colors on its limbs didn't all match and it almost looked like it was wearing some sort of suit that didn't cover its entire body. Anyway, um, that's, that's all I remember seeing. Um, at a certain point I fell back asleep and, uh, the next morning I told my partner about it and she kind of laughed, um, because she's had a lot of experiences with different types of extraterrestrials in her life so she said it was probably some sort of insectoid alien anyway thanks for the podcast um i've enjoyed listening to it although it does kind of freak me out late at night a little bit um but anyway thanks again and uh hopefully i'll hear this on a later episode bye thank you jeremy before I begin discussing Jeremy's call, I wanted to also bring up the Mirrored Men. It's been a while since we've heard from our creepy trio. 
So, if anyone out there is sitting on a call regarding these strange beings, please consider submitting today. I love them, you love them, let's talk about them. Now, for Jeremy's encounter, this story reminds me of a story from the premiere episode of Season 3. In that episode, an anonymous caller submitted a story about a 15-foot-tall, insect-looking creature she saw while out jogging. I think the similarities are pretty obvious here. I also can't help but think of the infamous Fresno Nightcrawlers, a supposedly faked video of a pair of tall, skinny creatures caught on surveillance video in Fresno, California. Although the estimated size of the Nightcrawlers is much smaller than what Jeremy reported. The bottom line is that these insectoid creatures aren't as obscure as one would think. Hundreds of reports have been submitted regarding these strange creatures, each with varying descriptions but sharing one core detail. They all witnessed a huge, upright-walking, insect-like creature. A creature seemingly from another time or another place. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd and Warren Pon Abbott. Any audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Music from this episode was provided by Coag, Antitector, and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To start the ignition. To feel confident. To be connected to everything. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes a dynamic experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.